Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Uh, today's text is going to be 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 17. You can go ahead and get your Bibles kind of squared away to get there. We're not going to get there anytime soon. Okay, so Pastor Rife holds a very special, special place in my life. Uh, so he was telling me that, hey man, I think I'm going to have you speak at Pastor Appreciation Day. I'm like, this is so rad. I've known Pastor Rife longer than anyone in the room except for Shay because the youth met him before the adults did. So on a technicality, I'll claim it. But I remember they said, hey, this guy's coming to be youth pastor. They said his name is Rife Stewart. And I said, what the is a Rife? I said, what is a Rife? I actually went and looked it up. There's a definition, and we're not going to go through that. But I looked it up, and I was like, what is a rife? And so we're about a week before the men's conference this year, and pastor says, hey, we're, gonna, you know, we're going through. We're doing the planning. We're speaking and stuff. And I get to speak on Saturday, man. It was so awesome. How many of the guys were there on Saturday, right? We talked about what? BBs, bullets, and bombs, right? That's what I was talking about. Man, I was like, man, this was a great sermon, man. Knocked it out the park. Then Sunday came. Now, I want to tell, I almost feel like the prophet who comes before the king and says, let me tell you about the man who came into the, this man who only had one lamb. He had one lamb, you know, and he took this lamb for his own party, this rich man. I, I literally felt like that at that point. I was the man who had the one lamb as the pastor was pouring gasoline on me on Sunday morning and was roasting me because of our relationship. Bro, 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 remember that part? I do. I also remembered I was going to be preaching here in a few weeks, so sit, in, sit down, shut up, and strap in, Pastor, with all due respect, because the first gift I give to you is a timeless quote <laughs> of the man of influence in my life for 31 years, and if you don't know what he's telling you, he's telling you what? I'm telling you, if there's ever a point in his message that you not understand what he's trying to communicate, he's telling you what? If you don't ever understand that, just listen. The next time we have a meeting and he'll make sure he'll tell you that he's telling you what. But this is a timeless quote. And if you're ever wondering why a pastor's hair looks like it does, because it could look like this. And uh, see, we go back, so I got some stuff, bud. The next thing I want to do is to remind you to pray for your pastors. Now, like I said, we go way back and I got stuff. So this, this has always been a special picture to me that I was able to capture from somewhere at some point, sometime. Because I think this is probably Lee, if not earlier. So like this 
is like whenever he's still just a hustler, baby. He just wants you to know. He's, a, he's still macking here. Because if you look closely to the left hand of Mr. Young Rife Stewart, he hasn't put a golden band on the right left hand just yet. So this is pre-marriage, pre-life, pre-ministry, pre-lee, pre-everything in life. But I want you to take a picture of this. Do it. I'm not joking. Pull out your cameras. Take a picture not to embarrass them. But so that you can always pray that they will have this kind of first love. In their marriage. In their ministry. In their family. I speak against any kind of spirit of Laodicea that would ever come against you in every part of life. Because for 31 years, y'all have been constant when some people haven't in my life. You see, whenever I was a high school senior, this young man walked into our church. 31 years ago, he was there, full of dream and vision and a projector with overheads. And it was time for Wednesday Night Live. And man, let me tell you, it shook my world and changed what ministry could be. Because it went from people who didn't give a crap about me, who were just filling out time for the youth, to somebody who had passion and a vision. And it didn't have to be stale and boring anymore, man. And you weren't all put together. I mean, look. But you were there, and you were fiery, and you had a passion, man. And I liked it, and I could get with it. And Shay had hair. <laughs> and then I heard that they were naming their kid after a city in Georgia. I said, they're from Mississippi. Wait a second. How's this work? And if you're wondering who gave me all the dirt, it's the kid in the picture. Because... She gave me dirt, but she also gave me a nickname that went throughout the world with me when she said, you're PA, whenever I was your youth and pastor. When you brought me here, whenever the name of the youth group was nothing more than an energy drinks name. And we had to rebrand, renew, and restart, and going. And so, man, dude, let me tell you, for 31 years, if one cat, has had impact in this cat's life. It's you. And so today, you're wondering what impact is. Impact is defined in this series as an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another one's life. Let me tell you, in 1992, 91, whenever it was, whenever we collided, man, I know I was a freaking wrecking ball of teenage angst. Coming in on two wheels most Wednesdays with my music blaring. The same way I do on Sunday mornings now. And my lion parking lot crew. Or on a Wednesday evening whenever Shay catches me in the foyer. And looks at me and if you didn't see my Facebook post, she said this past Wednesday, man, you're just like you were in high school. And I knew exactly what she meant, but she kind of went in on and showed that in, in a response to the Facebook post saying, that same zeal, that same joy, that song in your heart, it's there. Well, you know what? That's because y'all helped establish that joy foundationally in me 31 years ago. 
else said, hey, it's okay for you to be weird. Peculiar people, a royal priesthood called according to his purpose. I wasn't even in your top ten, bro, of who you thought would make it. I got that V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. I got victory because I got Jesus on my side. I got that, hey, I got that. Why? Every time they see me, everybody asking why I got a reason to smile. Come on. Why you always laughing? Things ain't been good for quite a while. Right? They said it couldn't happen. They said it wouldn't be done. But every time they see me, they say, there go that one. Let me tell you. My entire life was stacked against me. Pops kicked out at 13 months. Mom raised me single, but she raised me in the church. You want to talk about lasting impact? Lasting impact. Lasting impact. Impact that's taken me around the world. Impact that's changed countless of thousands of lives. Impact that kept me out of hell whenever hell wanted me desperately. Impact on 9-11 that brought me back to the throne. Impact that whenever my world was gone and I was throwing my family away, loved whenever he didn't know he was loving in the middle of a Walmart to my wife that we, I was separated from. Didn't even know and probably didn't even know till today an impact of a conversation you had with her that started shifting things. Impact. Lasting impact. Now of all the great and powerful days in my life that I've shared with the one, the only, Rife Stewart. I have to say that one day above all days was the day that made the most lasting impact in my entire life, Pastor. Now, it wasn't whenever he led me down in a decision in the altar to follow Jesus and make him my Lord and personal Savior. It wasn't whenever he taught me how to speak in tongues. It wasn't how he did any of those things. Now, no, the day that made the most lasting impact with me was the day that Pastor Rye fired me. Now, whenever I said it was going to get roasty and toasty, I meant it. You just thought I was roasting before. Let's go. So now, I was children and youth pastor here back in the days of Jubilee. Like every other thing on the eastern shore was Jubilee. The dry cleaners was Jubilee. The fish market was Jubilee. The Bed Bath and Beyond would have been Jubilee if they would have let them slap Jubilee on the name. I remember the frustrations of our pastor because it's a biblical term of great and wondrous meaning being in such frustration because when people searched him they would have to go through 50 things and hope that they would find Jubilee Church. But I was here. Um, I had hosted the conference that Rife and Shay had come up to and uh, honored me, man. Wow, 
have the dude who is your dude come up and say, hey, man, I'll be at your conference. Yeah, man. I had one of my mentors in the house, you know. We were, we were kicking and getting at that time. 18 to 35-year-old pastors had a, had a ministry that was rocking. Came up, did it. And he flows this idea, just flows this idea. Hey, man, I don't know if you would be interested, but think about if maybe you would like to be my children and youth pastor. Now, man, I'm enjoying life as, an, as an, a young adults pastor. I'm not even sure I like my kids at this point. But I have this group of guys that gets together in my basement on Monday nights. Or we go up on the top of a mountain around a fire on Monday nights and we pray. So one Monday night I pray a dangerous prayer and I say, God, if there's anything standing between me and your perfect will for my life, please take it away. Consequently, six weeks later, the sales and service company that I had been running and was successful in shut down and we found ourselves in squander. And so I began substitute teaching in the local middle school, which made me realize I was pretty good with kids, which made me realize I had this canter and this demeanor that maybe was better suited for younger people than it was for people who were old and stuffy. <laughs> and I enjoyed teaching. I said, okay, I can do this. So one thing leads to another, and we come down, we come on staff, it's my first full-time ministry gig, Woo-hoo! And then I realized what working for Pastor Rife was like. Because him as your bro and him as your friend and him as your pastor is different as him as your boss. And we juke and jive. We're good. Wes, stand up for a second. I mean, he clearly has a type. Look at us. I mean, we grew, we dressed the exact identical way today, and we didn't even coordinate this. I mean, he has a type, okay? So anyway, thanks, man. And uh, so anyway... He brings me in, and he's, he's mentoring me, okay? But see, I am much like the children of Israel. I'm a stubborn and stiff-necked people. And so he's leading God. He's shaping, directing. He's got all this zeal. He's got all this fire, we'll call it, to be nice, in me that's wrapped up in a whole lot of immaturity. And he's trying to do his job as a shepherd, as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a pastor, as an apostle. And I'm not really digging it, you know what I mean? So I'm in 33, 35, whatever. I'm a rebel, I am. I'm like, all right, cool. Still going to do it my way. Holy Spirit's on me. We can't deny that part. Big moves of the Spirit because even he used a jackass with Balaam. He could use one on Wednesday nights with these kids, okay? I'm telling you, it was real what was happening. But I was stubborn, I was stiff-necked, I was unbroken, I was untethered. I was much like what God speaks about Israel as being a, a cult that will not be broken. And so on the day Pastor Rife fires me, he lays down the law. He talks the smack and he backs it up, Jack. He's warned me. Time and time and time and time and time and time again, much like God does Israel. If you will do this, then I will do this. But if you will not, I have to do this. And eventually the day of reckoning comes and he says, man, this is it. We can't, you know, doesn't mean I don't love you. I just can't do this with you no more. 
It's not that I don't think that you're highly anointed. It doesn't mean that I don't think that you're called by God. It doesn't mean that I don't think that this is what you're supposed to do with your life. It's just you won't listen. And so I can't continue to excuse my energy on you whenever I got every parent complaining about the fact that you won't listen. And you're having two-hour altar calls every Wednesday night because you won't listen. Because it's about you and your pride and what you're doing instead of what God's doing. You won't listen. I didn't, I didn't hear all that then, okay? I know all that now. I'm saying, okay? It wasn't like he was saying all this then, okay? Because I would have been like, oh, okay, that makes sense. No, it was a lot different. <coughs> it sounded like I hate you, even though that's not what he said. It sounded like I'm rejecting you and throwing you aside, even though that's not what he said. No, he had a stupid conversation with me about balance that has plagued me until today. Every day of my life for 15 years almost. Balance, balance, balance. Balance. You need to find balance, man. You're way out of balance. Now, so, yeah, shocker, this is balanced. <laughs> it surprises me some days, too. Um, so, I have to say all this so I can get to this place, right? He fires me. And you know what the enemy immediately starts saying to me? You need to plant a church. You need to take all those kids that's in your youth group that are following you and not Jesus. And you need to start a church. You are the leader of a movement in Baldwin County. You need to start a church. Now let me tell you, I was not happy with Rife Stewart. Like half decade not happy with Rife Stewart. Like held on to a grudge and was pissed off for like five years at Rife Stewart. Like mad. For no reason at Rife Stewart. Because I told the enemy, you go off a long walk, off a short pier, because regardless of what you're speaking to me, I'm not going to dishonor this man. I'm not going to cause division in something that God did that I didn't have no part of. That I'm in a place that i got to figure something out. I'm taking a year off and not even going to church in person. Because I will not make the mistake of splitting a church or a youth group. I was mad at you, but I wasn't going to dishonor you. I waited a year and then I planted a church with a ridiculous name. I'm not joking. Eclectic Christian Faith Mosaic. Ridiculous name. <laughs> we got together and we threw down and we had hardcore church and it was awesome for about six weeks. Until I realized that I didn't teach on tithing and nobody in my church knew what giving was. And 
bees infested the building we're in or something. I don't know. Anyway, it, it didn't work. <laughs> and then we did some other stuff with kids on tours that changed lives in a scene that nobody was looking at. That were rejected and left out. And you know why? Because whenever my business failed, I volunteered in a, high, in a middle school where a girl named Rachel White had a brother named Matt White who was in a band with a kid named Alan Isom who knew a kid that knew a kid that knew a kid who knew Betty's son who was in a band that I wound up doing concert tours with. And I didn't know any of that. I didn't know Betty until we stood up here one day on stage and I said something about one of her son's songs and she came up and said something. I was like, oh, you don't know who this kid is. She goes, I bet you I do. I said, bet you don't. She goes, I said, I'm I'm his mom. I said, whoa. (laughs) That's just one line of what happened whenever he kicked me out of the nest on the day he fired me. Still a little salty about the fired part. We're going to move past it. Okay, now (laughs) read 1 Corinthians 4. Now we're going to put a little nitrous in the, in the tank. We're going to start rolling, okay? So 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 17. Now this is the part where it talks about teachers and, and fathers. It says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Say children. For even when you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. Say father. For I became your father. Say Father. And Jesus Christ, when I preach the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. Say, imitate. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, say, child, in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus Christ just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Okay, so check this out. The first thing I want to point out here, Paul establishes himself as a father to the church in Corinth. Now, someone who's lived in Corinth, Mississippi, I know what he's taking on here to establish yourself as a father to a church in Corinth. It ain't no easy thing. Because you got to understand, like, you know how we're always in Scripture, they're talking about Jesus being from Nazareth. You understand, Nazareth's the Mississippi of the Bible, okay? So that's why that whenever they say, Jesus, you're from Nazareth, it's like saying somebody's from Mississippi, okay? All right, so anyway, spiritual father. You'll see why there's so many Mississippi jokes here real soon, okay? So he's saying, uh, you've had many teachers, but not very many fathers. Because there's a difference between a teacher and a father, okay? So the first thing is the level of authority See, the teacher has a delegated authority, and the father has unlimited authority. So here's the thing. From 8 to 3 every day, from grades K to 12, guess what the principals at the Robertsdale Education System were authorized to do to my backside should I step to the left or the right of the rules? They could take a paddle and they could wear my tail out. Because they had delegated authority. Now, they tried to do that at the ball field. My mom's going to pull a 38 on them. <laughs> because they're out of their lines of delegated authority. You see what I'm saying? So a teacher only has the authority that you delegate to them. 
For this time, I'm going to listen to what this cat's saying, but about 12, my stomach's going to start growling, and now I'm going to delegate that authority to the Bennigans, or to the whatever, to the, to the Shoney's, or the whatever. I mean, I'm saying three restaurants that are out of business. Man, <laughs> y'all can tell I don't get to go out to eat very much. All right, so anyway, relationship. The relationship between a teacher and a father are different. Because, see, the teacher between, the relationship between a teacher and a student is formal at most levels, academically. You know, you come in and you're there for one reason, it's to learn. And then with a father, it's intimate. Now, whenever I say intimate, don't get it twisted. What I meant is that there's things I can say to my kids that they know what it means without me explaining what it means because of the intimate relationship that we have. As in, no, or no. They know the difference, I promise. See, a teacher has to be one way, but a father can get up in your grill whether you want them to or not. If you don't believe me, see the first reason, unlimited authority. The next is the covenant. You see, a teacher's in a covenant of a career, A teacher's in the covenant of being, this is my job. I'm here from 8 to 3, and it's time for me to go. I'm not saying all teachers, okay, because I I know some great teachers. matter of fact, my daughter recognized some great teachers this week who've done a great job in her life. But what, what I'm saying is, is that it's a seasonal position as a teacher, It's a lifelong call as a a father, as a mother. And understand, whenever I say sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, okay, do I have to say spiritual da-da-da? Do I have to spit all that out whenever I only got 30 minutes? Okay, good. So whenever I say sons, I mean daughters. Whenever I say fathers, I mean moms. And I don't mean that we're gender neutral or any of that other junk, okay? Man, I, I hate having to explain all that, Pastor, but you understand why. Okay, so there. So it's the difference of the covenant. The covenant is seasonal with the teacher. Why? Because I've been seeing countdowns on people's Facebook about 18 days. But there ain't no countdown on the father. Except memento mori, the day of your death. And then the offspring. See, the difference is the offspring of a teacher is a student. The offspring of a father is a son. The offspring of a mother is a daughter. The offspring of a father is a daughter. See, disciples become become sons, and sons can become disciples. See, students can become sons. Sons can become students. They can interchange. You see what I'm saying? Because I can tell you that my son in, in seasons of his life has been a student. and his son's, there's, You see what I'm saying? Like, because like, you're always teaching. You're always learning. You're always doing these different things. Okay? So that's the difference there. So this morning in my, uh, I don't know what you call it. I guess work, people who work out, they take like C4 pre-workout kind of stuff to get pumped up. Right? Well, I listen to Bishop T.D. Jakes. And so, and, and then for today on the way in. So. This morning I was listening and he said this statement. He said, the problem with the English language is that it is limited to interpretation. That, the li- that we're limited only by our languages and our understanding of languages. So your definition of excellent rises no higher than your level of exposure. 
I'm going to say that again for those of us who went to Robertsdale. Your definition of excellence rises no higher than your level of exposure. In other words, you only know what you've seen and experienced. Whatever you've been exposed to becomes the new paradigm of what excellence is to you. So that's why it's important to have both teachers and fathers in your lives because you get exposed to different levels of excellence. That's what they were talking about in the video. Erica talked about it, about the excellence in the house. Harley talked about it, about the excellence in the house. Mark and Whitney talked about the excellence in the house. We are infected with excellence. and It, it is a genetic defect in this house now because of you. Pastor Rife, excellence is now a genetic defect of everybody that you, will, that you are a, a, in the spiritual father of. Because it is the standard that you've bred in every son and daughter who's come under your tutelage who's actually received you as a father. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I am appreciative of it in my life and what it's brought. Because... Because it's, it's challenged me whenever I didn't want to challenge myself. It's made me stay up those extra 30 minutes to make sure it was right versus trying to wake up the next morning when the alarm didn't go off. That's, it's helped me in Haiti more than you can imagine. Because in a society where everything is rigged and everything is halfway, excellence had to become the standard that life was lived by so that we wouldn't have continuous maintenance issues. I'm telling you, man, like it's impact on so many levels. And so, these are the difference between a teacher and father. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is imitate. Say imitate. imitate. So, here's what I want to tell you. Replication requires imitation. Replication requires imitation. What this means, what this looks like to you is this. Is if I'm trying to teach a baby to walk, what do I show them? How to walk. If I'm teaching a baby how to talk, y'all's mics are right here in that basket. I talk to them. Now, do they still come out and start saying, you know, these multi-syllable words at the jump? They got to say it over and over and over and over and over again. You ever heard the saying that the imitation is the greatest form of flattery? Man, when God was creating Jax, he did a lot of imitation here. <laughs> but when you talk to him, he's replicated a lot of his mama's spirit. See, me being replicated with Rife's DNA doesn't mean we look alike. It don't mean that we have to look alike. Just because he's, he's a spiritual father... It means his DNA is in me on the important things. It guides me and directs me, but I have been freed as a son. And you see what I'm saying? He says, imitate me. Imitate me. So like, you know, sometimes kids, they don't say words the exact same way you say them. Sometimes, you know, potato comes out potato well. Sometimes, you know, sometimes stares as flailless. But you still know what they're saying because they're imitating what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Like, because the imitation leads to moments whenever you walk into the house and now Bella's walking toward me as she's saying, Papa. 
I can get with that invitation. Because I love it. It's rad, you know? So this next piece, beloved children. See, Paul is in this verse establishing spiritual fathers and sons in this verse. He's establishing it. He's showing you it. And I thought, man, what a better way for me to kind of put this out here, right, than to, like, bring two sons on stage. Now, you may not know these as being two sons, okay? So I'm going to explain who they are. Um, so this is my son, Jax, born in Bethesda, Maryland, to well, my wife, Jennifer. And then this is my spiritual son, Matt. And Matt's been in our lives now uh, over 10 years. About 10 years now. Over 10 years. And I just have some questions here that I want to go through because I want you to see this thing. I want you to pick up on some things. We're going to talk about some ideas and some concepts here, okay? So, Matt, um, in the video this morning, Chris talked about that he asked Rife about being a spiritual father. Can you just real quick give them the, the you know, Facebook version of how you came to the decision of, you know, us coming into a relationship as me being a spiritual father to you and, like, what did that look like? Yeah, so my experience was really similar to that. Um, it was the second time that I'd ever met the guy. Um, the first time that I met him, it was a, a really powerful experience for me. It was a deliverance-type experience. Um, I was suffering through panic attacks, stuff like that. Um, a friend of mine just invited me to go hear him. I went because he, he had tattoos, and at the time he had gauges. And I was like, cool, there's a guy like me that's, that's you know, talking about God. So I went and uh, listened to him. Got delivered of that. Haven't had panic attacks since. Um, it, it was a really powerful moment for me that's really driven my life uh, to where it's at. So the second time that he came to town in Corinth to... Uh, to, to speak, I sat through, listened to the whole thing, and I remember God telling me, hey, you need to go ask that man to be your mentor. And I was like, okay. And I, I wish I could tell you that I knew what that was going to entail, but I didn't. The only thing that I knew was God was like, hey, he needs to be your mentor. So I was like, sure, I'll go up there and, and ask him. And I remember going up there and asking him, and he goes, are you sure about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I wanted. That's what God told me. He's like, and he asked me again. He probably asked me, what, three, four times. He said, are you sure you know what you're getting yourself into? Yes. The reality was I had no idea. I had no idea that our families would be as intertwined as they are, that, you know, his family loves mine, mine love his, loves his, and it's, it's really been one of the most impactful things in my life, and I never even realized I needed it. Um, and so this is uh, this kind of folds into Ruth, Ruth one sixteen, right? She says, "Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. What you pray, I'll pray." So, like Matt and I connected in Corinth, Mississippi, but he lives here. Like, it's not, a, it's not this sing-song commitment that we're in. Like, like we, we've, we're in covenant. We're, we're family. And when we were down here, they felt like there was a piece missing, so they came down. And that's kind of the way it's worked. And so now to Jackson, you know, 
as we move into different seasons in our relationship, you know, it, it changes. And growing up in, our, in your parents' home has been your reality the majority of your life. So describe, like, how you've moved into adult life while still honoring the authority, you know, and submitting to our authority while your roles and responsibilities have changed as a son because you're moving into adult life. Um, I don't, living under their house was, uh, I mean, it was awesome. You know what I mean? They're my parents. I love them to death. They, um, I don't really, still trying to think the question through, but... Is a it was more of like okay Jackson you're the son you know I grow I got two sisters um, and I'm in the middle so it's like uh, I was held to almost like a different standard than the girls were um, does that make sense the uh, I I feel like I was loved differently than the girls were um, and not just because I'm a boy but it's because it's like a I don't know one day I would be at the point where I am now and even at a different point later on in life. Uh, being the son, being the, I don't know, like knowing that, or like y'all knowing when y'all were giving me advice and stuff, it would, like I would take and it'd be my foundations. Um, right on, yeah. right on. So I, I hope that kind of translated. He was just saying that you have us understanding that we were having to set foundations into him because honestly he would be setting foundations into his family that we were hoping that maybe, you know, there would be godly men who would come along with our daughters and they would have those same kind of foundations we're putting into him. So we were, we were trying to build the husband for the wife that we want for our daughters kind of deal. Does that make sense? And, uh, man, that's right. Dude, like, <laughs> that, that was awesome. Um, so a spiritual son, Matt, and father relationship means the sharing of spiritual DNA but not cloning, especially... Um, you know, like in our relationship, because we are nothing alike. So, um, so explain how the intimacy of our relationship, though, lends to accountability uh, between us. Like that, we, because we know each other, we can be accountable to each other, and why that's so important. So, there's things that, with our relationship, he can speak to things that, honestly, I would not talk to anybody else about. Personal matters, things I'm going through, you know, even down to goals, you know, details. Um, but there is a level of, of trust and intimacy that we've developed, especially over time, that, you know, I allow him to speak to things that are really uncomfortable and have, you know, kind of, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's caused some arguments, fights between each other, things of that. But at the end of it, like at the root of it, I know that, there's honest intentions there that there's, you know, things that he sees in my life that I need to work on that I'm not even aware of. And there's things that he's speaking to that, you know, of course I'm saying, no, nah, I'm good. I've got this. I'm, you know, I'm doing the right thing, honestly thinking I'm doing the right thing. And here he comes blindsides me and says, hey, man, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, oh, actually, okay. that's usually the way I, I say <laughs> it. It's just like that. You're, hey, you're an idiot. Stop doing this. Um, and, and this is an example of Paul and Barnabas. <coughs> Acts 9, 11, I think 15, right? Where Paul and Barnabas, they get to a place where they can't agree anymore about this cat, John Mark. And, and Paul's like, lo, dude, he's already deserted us one time before. And Barnabas is like, no, I see something in him that I want to develop. And it's to the point where these two people who have built a ministry together 
have to look at each other and say, we can't do ministry together anymore. We're both spiritually mature, but we can't like, do this because we have two different purposes. See, on the way out the door, what I didn't tell you was Pastor Wyatt Rife also told me, hey, I think you'd be great as one of those guys who's like a rapid response type uh, ministry. Like, what does that mean? He's like, you know, like a missionary. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, I was a missionary to Haiti from 2016 to 19. He was prophesying over me, and I didn't even realize it whenever he was saying it. And I honestly didn't even realize it as it was manifesting. See, sometimes it feels like a split, but if there's no division, it's growth. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. Because Barnabas went and he started becoming an encourager in the church. And the church grew because of the encouragement that he brought. And then Paul brought on new sons. He raised up new sons because he was an apostle and planted new churches. See, the kingdom grew because they were mature believers who didn't fight each other and try to divide the spoils. So even as recent as last night, me and Jackson have had numerous conversations where, we, where honesty was more important than our feelings. Uh, how important do you think that that is, to be honest, uh, about standards and communications with one another when either of us is not meeting the other's expectations? Um, <clears throat> honesty is a virtue, you know, with anything and everybody. Um, and I, I feel like that's universal. I mean, even in Star Trek, you know, honesty is a, a big yeah. thing, you know. It's like, um, I don't know, because my dad is honest with me, I feel like I can translate that into any of my relationships is just pure honesty. Um, he's even told me sometimes my honesty hurts and it's, uh, it's brutal. And it is a lot of the times because uh, it's been instilled that honesty is more important than a lot of things, you know, to me. Um, and it is, but it will translate probably for the rest of my life. Uh, if I go into, I mean, even even in college, you know, I see, you know, college is, you know, you see, you see dishonesty, a lot of it. Um, and, and me and my mom have had this conversation, too, um, about how it's important for me. Like, it, for me, myself, it's important for me to be honest um, in things. And, uh, yeah. That's great. That's great. So, uh, Matt, um, I'm going to make a statement. Differences are strengths. Okay? So, you and I often talk about how dynamically different we are. Um, how have our differences benefited the kingdom? How do those differences cause us to challenge one another? And, you know, explain, like, how you're here. So, Alan is an ideas guy. He's a visions guy. I'm a processes guy. I'm, I'm a details guy. Sometimes those two things don't get along very well. There's things he's running with, wants to accomplish, and I'm like, hey, man, that's, that's going to be a challenge. That's going to be tough to, to actually carry out. He's adamant about what wants to be done while I'm adamant about the, uh, the level of detail that it's going to take, the processes, the, the, the things that's going to be involved. And sometimes that rubs, you know, rubs against each other and we have to sit down and be like, hey, you need to slow down. And sometimes whenever he talks to me, he's like, hey, no, you need to get your head out of the gears and let's just get this thing done. And sometimes that's some of the things that, that, that I need to hear because I get stuck in the weeds sometimes. And um, I mean, one of the, re the reasons that we're, we're down here, um, you know, I know that God had told me to ask him to be my mentor and be in my life. And that's been 10 years ago now. And whenever they moved away from Corinth, me and my wife, we, uh, 
we talked about it. It's like, you know what? We need to, we need to go where they're going because we know that, that God's involved. And the most important thing to me was God spoke to her about it. And she recognized like, hey, we need to get out of Corinth and we need to go where God's telling us to go. So we obeyed. Right on. And, and, and the reason why I want to bring this up is I, because the picture of this in Scripture is out of Luke 1 where you see the covenant relationship that's established between John the Baptist and Jesus, okay? Now, natural ideology would say, man, two powerful ministers need to get together and take over the world for, for whatever the cause was because you have John the Baptist who's the crazy, fiery guy that's out on the, on the banks and then you have Jesus who's the Son of God, right? Ever. But if they would have been together, it wouldn't have worked because you'd have two types of people coming for two different types of messages, See, pastor often says that, you know, we should stop thinking that Sunday mornings is a salvation type message. It's not. It should be for the mature believer. See, Jesus should have been, see, Jesus was coming for those who needed redemption. But John was for those who already knew better. He brought a message of repentance. So here's John doing his thing and here's Jesus doing his thing. Two dynamically different ministers, two dynamically different ministers cooperating for one purpose. So what is your life confession, Jax? Uh, since I was probably about three, right? Um, it's always been a confession in my life uh, that I'm a mighty man of God raised for a mighty purpose um, since I remember. I mean, they would make me sound off on that, by the way. Like, what are you? And it's mighty man of God raised for a mighty purpose. He got that the day his little sister was born. Camille, what's your confession? She's a woman of influence. Many will be led to the cross by her example. For 18 years, she's been confessing that, women of the church. You're going to catch up in a couple of weeks. What you speak, you believe. What you believe, you become. So how has that shaped your life, Jax? Yeah. Yeah, just like that. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a, y'all ever get those uh, prophecies or blessings by somebody that just comes up to you and says something to you and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to hold on to that one. I'm going to put it on the shelf um, and just wait for the fruit to bear. Um, I'm going to put it in the sun, I'm going to water it, but I'm going to just wait for it to bear. And that's, that's really what it is, is um, because I, I do truly believe that I am a mighty man and that I'm a man of God um, because there's there's two differences. I mean, you can be a mighty man, but you don't necessarily have to be a man of God. Um, but I believe I'm both. Um, and I believe there is a mighty purpose in my life, whether it's... Uh, <laughs> Y'all know the episode of The Chosen where they just, uh, they just till up the ground and they plow a field for a man they don't know? Even if it's that, I believe that's a mighty purpose. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be going being the first preacher on Mars. I will. I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... But y'all know what I'm talking about. That, that, that yeah. really is how it shaped my life. And, and so real quick, how do you maintain your covenant re relationships? Because you do have some covenant relationships in your life. Even though you're not married, you still have covenant relationships. Um, and I would consider those to, with me, your mom, uh, Camille, others. How do you maintain those covenant relationships? The little things. The little things. Uh, sometimes it's extravagant stuff, um, especially when I got the money. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, it's really the little things, making sure they know that they're loved by me, even if it's just like, you know, to Matt, just like that. Like, that's, I love you, man. Like, stuff like that. Um, hugs, gosh, love hugs. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, what's the difference between a student and a son, Matt? 
for you? As a student, there's certain things that I'm expecting from you, but it's not advice. You know, it's, it's, I think of it as skills, as um, things that you're doing that I want to do. But as a son, you know, oftentimes you don't realize the things that you need until somebody points it out. And, you know, as a son, that's what you get from, you know, a father, from a spiritual father, from a mentor is, you know, you have somebody speaking into your life, pulling things out of you that you, you know, you haven't paid much attention to yourself or that that are recognized that need to grow. You need somebody to point those things out. Right on. And uh, the last question here in our Q&A here is, uh, Jackson, I'll make a statement and then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I require more of you as a son because your reward is greater. Um, explain what that means to you and your understanding of that. Um, uh, first off, it's uh, no lesser things, you know, uh, that you expect me to be um, my full potential, whether that's uh, sitting on the couch some days or whether that's going out and preaching the gospel on the corner, right? doing whatever, you know, or in my studies, um, I expect you, or it's almost like I expect you to expect that of me, you know, right. you being my dad. Um, but yeah, no lesser things. Yeah. And, and, and so I want to show you how this works just real quick. Okay. So Rife sows into me and now I'm a son of Rife. Then I sow into Matt and Matt's now a spiritual son. Now I've been sowing into Jackson his entire life, but guess who also becomes a spiritual father now to Jackson? Because now my son is sitting under a son. He gets a double portion. Hold on. It's coming. He gets a double portion of anointing because now my son is speaking into my son. You get this? And, that, and the picture of this is Elisha and Elijah. Because he doesn't let go of the relationship. He doesn't let go of this, this, this thing that they have. He's like, stay here. No, 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 you don't get it, bud. I'm staying with you. Spiritual sons and daughters, they're going to honor authority. So the first set of questions here with you guys was all about the authority in their lives, the submission to their authority. Like that's, see, whenever, whenever you have submission to authority in your life, now you're able to be able to operate underneath something. You're able to have the, 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 the power to be able to do some things. And then you have to be able to allow intimacy. See, intimacy births accountability. Accountability is so important because spiritual sons and daughters are held accountable. What that means is, is that Matt goes out now. See, I told him this morning, I was like, see, you didn't understand the other thing that's happening here. Because now I've outed you. Now the world knows that you're a spiritual son. I didn't, I didn't mean to do it without your permission, but whenever you said you would do this, I outed you. Now the world knows that you're now a spiritual son. So now that means that, that there's an accountability here because of the intimacy that we have. And he's not joking. I mean, there's been some things I've said to him that's ticked him off so bad. Like for years, we did not talk, even though we were both still in ministry. See, it, same thing. And, and then... You stay in covenant relationships. See, Peter, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus were in a covenant relationship before they were ever even born. And they stayed in that covenant relationship until John the Baptist's death. It was because they were both serving a purpose. And then they're lifelong learners. See, Elisha 
stayed with Elijah till the very end. He could have said, no, nah, you're right, I, I've learned everything. I'll just go ahead and stop here. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. See, me and my group here are 50 prophets. We've already learned enough because in our consortium, we've figured this out, spiritual father. Yeah, you're right, your season is to go ahead and go on up. We don't need your mantle. We don't need that, what, that you carried back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. We don't need that because we've got this new thing we're doing here, so we're going to stop here. You're right, go ahead and go. No, no, he said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go what, and get whatever you've got from me. And check this out, right? Whenever he's taken off, every two verses, Elijah's calling him father as he's leaving. Elisha's calling him father. He says, stay here. And Elisha in, King, in 2 Kings 2.2 2 says, I'll never leave you, father. Then in 2.4, my father. He says, I'll never leave you. He tells him three times in, in, in six verses, I'll never leave you. Then he tells him that, okay, because you're never going to leave me, I'm going to give you this double anointing if you see me whenever I go. And then immediately he gets it. See, a father doesn't delay the blessing that he's going to give the son. Oh, man, this is better. Because see here, a father doesn't sit around on what he's got to give the son. Immediately, as soon as he sees that the son is part of the end time vision, he goes ahead and gives it to him then. He doesn't sit around for 20 years to retire because he's wanting to draw a check. He says, I'm going to empower you now, son, to operate in this now. And check this out. The reason why I said lifelong learner is because the mantle falls to the ground. And Elisha picks it up. So even in the end, he picked up something. Isn't that what we say when we learn something, I picked up something? This dude picked up a double portion of Elijah's anointing. These are how you activate this. You honor authority by submitting to authority. How do I honor authority? I submit. What do you mean? Okay, a cop pulls up. He's got his lights and his badge. You honor authority by submitting. Does that paint the picture? You allow intimacy. In other words, you're spiritually mature enough and your spiritual father's spiritually mature enough that if he says it's time to part ways, it don't get you twisted. You just move into your new purpose of encouraging the body or the da-da-da-da-da or being a missionary to a country that nobody cares about. You see what I'm saying? You keep covenant. That's faithfulness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Keeping covenant is, is after 31 years, man, you're still the cat's meow to me. Like you are. You're still rad. You know, Shay, you're still sarcastic and we're, we're still on that same level with each other that we literally were whenever I would pull into the gym at the CLC because you had really long hair and we hadn't had a wife in the youth department in a while so it was cool and um, because the girls needed some type of example there and I know I'm not honestly the first season, uh, the first version of what a spiritual son is for you because y'all were youth pastors before y'all came to us but I'm honored to sit where I do with y'all because had it not been for y'all I don't know where I would have been because as a messed up teenage senior in high school 
going to Lee. It was cool that y'all had went to Lee and could tell me stuff about Lee, even though y'all had a lame Mary experience. And it was a different experience for married students up there because they got to have sex and we weren't supposed to. And... Um, The thing about it was, was in my 20s, whenever I was in the army, and I was disconnected from everything that meant anything in the world, I could call 964-6604, ask to speak to Pastor Rife, no matter where I was, that he would accept the charges. He talked me off a ledge down in San Antonio whenever I was worried about becoming a dad. I didn't know how to talk to anybody about it. And he may not remember that conversation, but I do. And in my 30s, whenever I was trying to figure out what the call of my life looked like, he listened and he encouraged me and then he even offered me a job and he mentored me and then he fired me. Best worst day ever. gave me that nagging message that remains today about balance, 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 balance. And now in this season where he is my apostle and I am the prophet and we have bound ourselves to each other for a generational season of growth to change the world. I sit here and I tell you that I'm closing with this. Jesus tells a story of a man who has two sons. And one son comes to him and he says, I want my inheritance now. When he says this to the the father, he's basically saying, I'm better off if you're dead. I want what you got. And in this story, it says that the young man goes to a land, he squanders his inheritance, and he ends up in a pigsty. Now, I want you to kind of go with me, if you will, real quickly here, because for a Jewish man to go and find a pigsty to find himself in, he's already sitting in the middle of a curse, in a cursed land with a cursed people, with a cursed animal. And it would have been the same land that Jesus cast legion out of a man. See, the the kid finds himself in a pigsty, and then Jesus goes and casts the demons into a pig. The reason why I'm trying to say is that he was already in a cursed situation because of the choices he had made, okay? He decides in the middle of his chaos... In the middle of his filth, in the middle of his curse, in the middle of his messed up decisions. His messed up decisions. He did this to himself by his own stupidity. He's in the pigsty. And as Jesus tells the story, he says that the young man came to his senses and he says, in my father's house, Even the servants eat better than I do. I will return to my father's house and I will say, 
I have sinned against you and God, and I, would want, I want to become in your employ as a slave. And I will pray that my father will receive me in this role, basically, is what he's saying. He's going on, he's going on, man, he's, he's hedging his bets. He has nothing left to lose. And it says that the father is sitting on the porch in the evening, and he's looking, and even whenever the son was a long ways off, the father saw him, recognized him, and ran to him. And before the boy could get any of his prepared speech out of his mouth, the father does what? Kicks his nasty pig neck, puts a ring on his finger, puts sandals on his feet, puts a cloak over him. And he calls and he says what? He says what? He says, get the fatted calf, kill it. Because my son who was once dead is now alive. And the second son is there. The reason why I want to tell that story before I go to the next point is because there's two sons in the house right now. And I need you to understand there's actually three. Some of you are in the middle of pig feces, eating the pods because of your own stupid decisions. Some of you may feel like that, even though that may not be the reality of your situation. You feel like there's no hope in your situation, so that's the lie you've told yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because power of confession is in your tongue. What you speak, you believe. What you believe, you become. If you say you're in the middle of the pig I guess where you are. So you've told yourself, this is where I'm at. I'm in a cursed land, a cursed people. I'm a cursed... You see what I'm saying? That's the first group of people that I'm talking to. A son. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you're wanting to have a father. Now maybe you've had fathers in the past and you've went into the, into the sty. Or maybe you're somebody from the cursed land who just says, I want a father from the blessed land. And so you're coming out of that curse too. Like, you know, I don't know, Ruth who found her redemption and her submission because she came out of Moab which means curse she was a Moabite but she was grafted into the line of David which put her in the line of Jesus so you can come out of curse no matter who you are whether you've been a son before or you just want to be a son now but there was a second son who'd been there the whole time he didn't come to Pops and ask for money. He never left his side. He was faithful. He was true. He was there. And my question to the sons of the house who have served faithfully for 16 years, faithfully for 31 years, faithfully for the entirety of the time, my question is will you celebrate? When the new cat shows up in the same shirt and jeans, are you going to celebrate? Are you going to? When the new cat's more successful at the role you had and got fired from, are you going to celebrate? Oh, no, 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 that, that's, that's real. That's real. 
I've had to ask God to forgive me a lot about Ronnie Van Arden. Just being real. But are you going to celebrate? Or are you going to do what the older brother did? Whenever the new guy comes in and he's becoming a son, are you going to take it as the opportunity to be a Barnabas and go out and encourage the body? Or are you going to take it as an opportunity to divide the body with your gossip and your crap? Because you're now not getting the attention of your spiritual father. Well, he raised you up to be a father. Man, come on, you, are you with me? Because see, the story of the prodigal is a story really of three possibilities. The first possibility is, is he could have stayed in the cursed land. Let me tell you something. Even if they still crave the pods, you want them in your house and not in the craved lands. Even if they're battling you to go back to Moab, you want them in your house. Because they're not in the pods, they're not in the pigsty, they're not in the curse. The prodigal comes home. The father's looking in anticipation. See, that's the heart of Pastor Rife. He's looking in anticipation. You're getting bent out of shape because he don't talk to you after service on Sunday because he's looking in anticipation for a son who's coming around the bend. He's coming around the bend. Somebody's coming out of the pigsty. See, he don't have time for you, son, who's in the field, who should already know that he loves you because everything he has for you, he's already given you. Grow up. And I finally have. Man, for so long, a rel, peg, trying to get into the square slot. And you saw something in me that neither one of us knew how to call out. But it's there. And so your activation is real simple. <laughs> Which one are you? Are you the older brother who's celebrating the new sons and daughters? Are you the older brother mad because you're about to lose position? Man, are, you, are, are you in the pigsty? Coming home beaten. Ready just to be called son again. Ready to be loved on as daughter. Or maybe you've never even known what that means to have somebody who would speak into your life on a level that would mean something pastor asked me to, to, to do a very specific thing and so I'm going to do this this way if y'all all stand because I want to activate this in you I want to do it this way is that I'm going to pray over each of those three groups that whatever needs to be broken will be And then I'm just going to prophesy a little bit over our leadership here. As we appreciate the leadership here. So what, two parts. Sons, daughters, hearken your ear to what I'm about to say. If you desire someone in your life to speak into your life on a consistent basis that helps you grow, 
you're desiring a spiritual father, a spiritual mother in your life. Start asking God who that person is, what that person is, what that looks like. And understand that it is a heavy, heavy commitment on both of you. But also, if you're in a situation that you say, I'm that prodigal, it's easy to get out, get up. It's the first step. Just get up. You've heard it. If you can look up, you can get up. Get up. As Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, get up, take your mat. Get out of here. Beat it. Get up. That's all you got to do. If you're covered in it and you smell like it, get up. It doesn't matter. Because see, here's what happens. Your father's going to put a ring on your finger. He's going to reestablish your authority. He's putting sandals on your feet. Because you're no longer a slave to what you were in. But he kisses you because he's intimate with you. Kisses him on his neck. And the last piece of that, he puts that cloak on him. Everything is to reestablish his identity. The ring, you're part of the family. You have the authority again. Dude, the kiss on the neck. We are now intimate again. You are now my son. The sandals. Man, we are now in covenant. You are no longer a slave. I am no longer a slave to sin because of the covenant of Christ. And then the cloak, man, the mantle. He puts his mantle on him. He puts his cloak on him. He puts that anointing on him. He puts that level of saying, hey, for the rest of your life, I'm going to be teaching you and you're going to be being taught by me. We're in relationship. We're in this long-standing relationship. So, Father, right now, first of all, just over the sons and the daughters who found themselves in the pigsty, God, Lord, they're just saying, I want us, Father. I want to come home. I just pray that whatever's break, what needs to, ever needs to be broken off of them to get them there is broken. Just that plain and simple. That if they feel like they're too far gone, they're not. All they have to do is get up. If they get up, you'll get them out. And it just starts with one step towards you because you're on the porch waiting. You're going to send a father. You're going to send a mother to love them, nurture them, and reestablish them. Lord, for the, the, the ones who are in the fields, who've been here the whole time, God, Lord, I pray that we get a celebratory spirit when we see new sons and daughters arise. That we would rise up with joy in our hearts when we see new songs and sing new songs. <coughs> That we would have new fire for new speakers. Lord, that we would look at movements, God, Lord, not through magnifying glasses, but in what you're doing in the lives of people and seeing the fruit thereof. I am a son of the house. Because of that, I know for a fact that Pastor Rife has fruit in Haiti. I know because I am a son of the house Pastor Rife has fruit in multiple states across this country, in multiple nations across this world, in countless thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. He has impact because of the impact that he made into me that has been made into the impact of others. So Father, whatever we find ourselves in, God, Lord, I pray that we embrace the level of influence that you give us. Now, if everyone would just take your hands and stretch them towards the stage, I want to speak a blessing over leadership. 
specifically in this house, as we've honored the pastors of the house, I want to commission each one of you to realize that whether you're speaking at a coffee house, your home, or at your job, some level, somewhere, you're pastoring someone with your life. And so I want to let uh, speak a blessing over you that your lives will become your testimony. That you won't mix up your message trying to stumble on words, but that God would shine his light through you, leaders of destiny. And that as you go out and you pastor the earth, lives would be changed. Now you may say, I'm not holy. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. That's okay. You still have impact with people. And so I want to speak that God would make that positive impact no matter who you come in contact with. I pray that you would be in us and on us and with us and surround us, Jesus. That your love, your life, your light shines through everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Rife. What a great message, and I hope that you, that, that you sense today that the training center manu, uh, uh, mandate on this house, you know, as you were thinking, of, I, I was thinking that you were going to say that third one, because uh, it's kind of how I see it. You know, there's, there's the, the prodigal that goes away, and then there's the one that's always there, but the father was a son. You know, he's a son. Every father's a son. You are fathers and mothers. Like, I can't be it. I I can't, you know, Wesley can't be it. Every single one of us cannot. But you can go out and you can operate in that level of influence and impact. So thank you so much, man. This is what our church is all about, is raising up sons and daughters into mothers and fathers to go out and impact your world. Today, I know that we've, uh, you, you, we've gone quite a long time because this is kind of a special day. So, you know, thank you for being patient. Incredible uh, reminder of what just the impact that we can have on people. This church, Shay and I have been honored to, uh, to found it, to pastor it for 16 years and not sure, you know, our, our goal is to raise someone up and uh, pass this on to somebody at some point in the future. And uh, we'll stand here maybe in this building or maybe another one at some point, And we'll transition that, uh, that baton of leadership over to them. But it is an honor to be a part of this house and to lead this house. Hey, there's so much more that God has for us over the next however many years until his coming. Amen? You are a part of that, and God is going to raise us up to do some amazing things. Even from the level that we are now, God is going to take us to other places to impact our community. As we leave, I want to remind you of two things. One, Please pick up a cupcake on the way out and uh, have that as your dessert today. Uh, We wanted to do that instead of cake. And uh, don't forget, take a picture and let us know how long you've been a part of Destiny. Now, 
I know we've got some visitors in the house and you're like, for the love of God, do they do church this long every Sunday? We don't, but I would like to meet you. I'm gonna be standing right over here. And if you're new, I'd love to, to just uh, say hello to you. And as you go, I'm gonna ask you for one thing. This is the best gift that you could ever give me. This is the best gift that you could ever give Shay. And um, Pastor Ro- uh, Ruth Petway, who is going to be at our women's conference, her husband said, he, he taught me this. And he said, Pastor Rife, you need to put a demand on your people. Okay, I'm ready to hear it. He said, you have a right to demand what you sow into them. And I I said, man, that is such a powerful, powerful thing. So here's what I'm demanding of you. Like, I'm not asking you for it. You understand? I'm demanding it because I've sown it into you. And here it is. The best gift that you could ever give Shay and me is grace. Because we are not perfect people. We have so many flaws and we get it wrong many times. Give us grace because we are graceful people. We give so much grace and we're so patient with people. So I'm putting that demand on you. When I fail you, when we let you down, when we fall short, sow into us the grace that we've uh, sown into you. Best gift that you could ever give us.